Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Everybody, welcome to Reporting is Eligible. I'm Paul Noonan of Acme Packing Company and the Shepherd Express, and we just came back from 17 points down to beat the Saints in a thrilling comeback that was awesome. Uh, we are recording this uh, very importantly on a Monday, and you are probably listening to it on a Wednesday, but it's a crazy week both for my work and for the fact that there's a Thursday game, so stuff's just wacky and you'll have to deal with it. Um, but to, to help go over the game in urban Wauwatosa, uh, I assume under the bobbleheads, but I can't see him for once, is... Oh, they're there. It's uh, J.R. Radcliffe, trending sports reporter. Trending sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. The second largest fourth quarter comeback in uh, in Packers history behind the money game, which I know uh, Matub appreciates very much. Uh, <laughs> that was an 18-point deficit in the fourth quarter. This was 17. I... Don't know how that happened. I legitimately was not able to watch most of it and didn't really care to when I saw it was 17 nothing at halftime and nothing was really happening in the third quarter and uh, turned it on for the good stuff. So uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Can't, I, can't I, feel bad about it. It well, was wonderful. I thought it was I thought it was over. I was so I was at a um, I was at my daughter's soccer tournament like I always am on Sunday, apparently now. And I actually volunteered a long time ago to do the Acme Packing Company post game write up for this one. And so I had like my laptop out at the soccer tournament, like tethered to my phone. And I was like, this is fine. I'll get this wrapped up at halftime. I'll pre-write it all. They're not going to come back. And uh, then got home and I was like, I have to rewrite everything I just did. (laughs) None of it is usable. (laughs) And uh, this will take a while. So, um, which is fine. Not before you jumped into the Slack chat and went, I pre-wrote for a loss. You're all welcome. Yeah, By the way, I'm Matt, but you can call me Mattel. Company Meme Weaver General Twitter Rabble Rosser. There we go. <laughs> when they did not get the fourth down with whatever 14 and change left in the fourth quarter, Patrick Taylor miscommunication. I don't, I don't there's <laughs> no scenario where you think the Packers could still win this game. I get that you, you could sort of say, well, it's only 17 points and the, it's not like the saints are, are tearing it, you know, like they're, they're not great either. Uh, and that's fine. But there's just no scenario where you say to yourself, hmm, the Packers, who have not made like any deep, deep connections, they haven't really looked in sync at any point. They're just going to flip a flip a switch and score a bunch of points and go for two at the right time. And there's just no way you could have seen that coming. It was really it was the inverse of the previous week, really, where they had came under control and lost it. It's just the same. It's just the same thing in reverse. I think this might be a kind of a thing with love too, like. Um, clutch is generally speaking not a thing, but in football, like 
with people with personalities and with one guy so in control of the outcome of the game, it kind of is. Like, some guys do kind of fold under pressure, and I don't know that anybody really excels at it, but some guys get, you know, a little more focused, play a little looser um, when they have to do a little more improv work, and we might have that, because that last love drive was great. It was by far his best drive of the game. So I'm hopeful. Donovan McNabb was kind of like that. He's my go-to comp for love right now. Um, I think they're very similar along those lines, and you can kind of never count them out. I'm, I'm going to be into every Packer game that's not like 30 points from here on out after this one. And that's a pretty good defense. That's not a. That's a yeah. really good defense Saints, that he did that against. Saints that's, are quite that's good. Wild. Yeah. This was not just weenies. This was. Um, they were down. They were down a couple guys. They were down a couple secondary guys, but. The Saints had a, have, they could still have a streak of 11 straight games not allowing 20 points uh, or uh, more than 20 points. They've had a couple 20-pointers. But, like, that's pretty impressive. This is the modern NFL. People score a lot of points. You know, a bunch of teams scored, like, 70 this week. So um, it's, a, it's an impressive feat. It's really cool. They were bad to start, though. We should probably talk a little bit about that. Well, uh, I, I uh, quoted Walter Hagen after the game. He said that three bad shots and one brilliant shot still makes par. That kind of <laughs> describes kind of describes this game. That was this game. That is correct. I mean, it described Brett Favre too for a long time, which is why there were some light comparisons there. The Kittrick Taylor game back in 1992 in oh, Week yeah. Three with the uh, with the comeback that Brett, Brett Favre led, taking over for an injured Don Mikowski. Obviously, we're not talking about the same player, but the the idea that he can look really, really bad over and over and over again. And all of a sudden, and it isn't even just like a good drive. Like he had some great throws. He had some, some crazy good throws. His receivers probably could have helped him out. I mean, quite honestly, you go back and you, if you could subtract some of these penalties, the Packers probably should have won that game sort of convincingly. I mean, they really were by and large, the better team, but like when, when Jordan love makes, he, he just makes some really eye popping plays. And I don't know if I, it does, there aren't interceptions, so it's not quite Brett Favre, you know, in in a good way. I, I feel like, uh, <laughs> you know, I feel like it's all going to get ironed out. You know, he's just he's he's going to be more more of that than than what you saw in the first half. That first half is just growing pains, basically. Yeah, I think so. It, it was rough. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, he did not do his receivers favors, and they did not return them at all either. Um, so he he was noticeably better in the second half and especially the fourth quarter, but. Uh, you're right, though. Like he was in tough situation after tough situation. Like stupid start of the game when you have a holding penalty and then a uh, offsides or whatever false start, like back to back, and you're immediately in first and twenty five. Like your drive's just dead on arrival. You can't do anything about that, and that happened repeatedly. Running plays, especially like AJ Dillon, was once again quite the disaster. But more than they anything, gotta, they got to stop this. They, they, they have to stop, stop it. Um, a lot of his runs also led to holding penalties. Jaden Reed had one. Um, the offensive line had one. And so, like, insult to injury, there's no upside. And I feel like there was like a 25% chance you were going to lose 10 yards on a penalty every AJ run too. So um, just awful. If you look at AJ's stats, which I don't have up in front of me, but I can tell you this, uh, they're worse than you think because 14 of his rushing yards came on a backward swing pass that count as rushing yards, that was actually just a pass out into the flat. His actual running, uh, he averaged 1.9 yards per carry. So that's just not acceptable. And he just kept Man, running I, into the back of people again, I, like over I and love, over. I love running, uh, was it like counter inside zone? What was that awful uh, play? It was like first and 10 inside their own five. And A.J. Dillon runs 
what is somehow both halfback dive and counter at the same time, and then just ends up running into the back of a lineman. Yep, that that, that is what happened. Um, love that for- and then running that- on second down after that. Yeah. <laughs> that 14-yard play is the only time we've seen A.J. Dillon really do anything. Um, he has not been in the open field at all. You haven't seen him beat anybody. Yeah. And I think the Packers know, that, I mean, the Packers are, are telling us too that they aren't, they're losing patience too because he wasn't on the field in crunch time. You know, he was, they, well, they put you, Patrick Taylor and Emmanuel Wilson hear, out there. Did you hear LaFleur's comments about that today? No. He was like, he was like, uh, he straight up says, don't read anything into, into Patrick being out there uh-huh. and not Dylan. He goes, that's just uh-huh. the way things worked out. Don't read anything into yeah. it. Well, they got a decision to make with Patrick Taylor because they've elevated him three times, so they're going to have to add him to the active roster they if they want him back to. next week. They have to add him because they have to do that. Emmanuel I th- Wilson, think- I think, is, is pretty clear was really getting a lot of run off of inferior preseason talent. He, you know, he's probably worth keeping around. He hasn't had a bunch of sample, but Patrick Taylor is actually like halfway decent to average. So you get you got to do it, and I think they realize it now. I bet he's signed so, pretty soon. Legitimately, out of him. Um, not running his hitch, if you take that away, he had what I would consider a good running back to level game, which is all we need him to be. Just average. Like we need we need a real NFL running back as our second <laughs> running back. And yeah. Patrick Patrick is a real NFL running back. He is that, yes. Um so. Yeah, this is it's getting ridiculous. It, it really uh, and, and I mean it bears mentioning and everyone has said this, so but but Jordan Love and the offense did this. If you had taken Love off the field and you try to list who are the four most important offensive players on the Green Bay Packers coming into the 2023 season, you might get somebody saying David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Aaron Jones, and Christian Watson. And none of those guys were available in this game. And that is is astounding when you think about that. Yeah, it makes everything even more impressive. Um, Before we move on from Patrick Taylor or from AJ Dillon, I, I... this is going to be the only time we mentioned PFF on the show because we we correctly said they weren't worth talking about last time. <laughs> but I do want to mention this. So uh, AJ Dillon's grade, but since they support our argument, no, 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 here. no. This is an outlier thing. This is a this is a wow thing. So um, they grade everybody on several categories. Pat, uh, AJ Dillon's grade actually wasn't too bad, which is another reason not to trust them. However, I want to point out his pass blocking grade that they gave him. They grade on a 100-point scale, 0 to 100. I've never seen this before. A.J. Dillon's pass-blocking scale was a 5. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've never seen anybody get lower than like a 20. <laughs> uh, single digits does not happen. So you should still ignore them. But yeah, it was like a 5 for, for real. So, Who was the running back on Love's uh, touchdown run? I don't know. I, didn't, I wasn't so watching it. So it was it was play action, and whoever the running back was got hit by two guys, and someone on the field was mic'd up, and so when the running back gets hit, you hear, oh my God! <laughs> well, that's great. Yeah, so, so for that. Everybody, everybody listening, uh, go watch the official NFL.com or whatever video of Love's touchdown run. Oh my god! It was and you can li- you can literally hear the running back. Go, oh my god! Twenty seven is Taylor, right? I think so. It yeah. was Taylor. Mm-hmm. I just pulled it up. <laughs> it's, it's hit by two people. <laughs> <laughs> ah, lovely. Poor guy. Um, let's see. Um, I feel like the receivers um are really like hit and miss kind of all the time, and it's hard. 
It's really hard hey, to tell. Hey, that's how love throws the ball. It so is. It it's it's like a it's, <laughs> it's a big chicken in the egg thing. Like so, uh, I actually I thought Dobbs had a pretty good game, um, but he had like twelve targets and caught five balls, and uh, a lot of those were those fades. And like I kind of respect the fades because it it did feel like okay we get three shots at these and one of them will probably work. And that's kind of how it went. It, like, that's basically how it went. So fine. <laughs> but it really does kill your average um, pretty well. Um, so uh, I, I thought Wicks was pretty good. I, c- I actually continue to like him. I think he's showing up on tape quite a lot more and should get a few more looks. Like, that's all good. And Musgrave was fine. Um, I feel like we, we just miss him down the middle once per game. And that will also come with time. But, it, like, it is, like, very, very chicken in the eggy. And Jaden Reed, man, like... He is he he's a tough one. He is his catch percentage on the year is now like forty five percent, but whenever he does make a catch, it's great. <laughs> right. So he he what do they call him? Concentration drops. Like yes. he drops the stuff he's supposed it's, to catch. It's not and even always he drops. These... It's just like his hands aren't good enough, and in contact well, was, jars it loose. <laughs> there was legitimately one where he was like running across, or was like fifteen yards, and it hit him in the hands. And the announcing crew was like, oh, that's really good defense yeah. by Taylor. And it's like, it hit the dude in the hands. <laughs> yeah. And There's like, another time he had a touchdown and some dude just ankled it out of his hands. Okay. I am, I, I swear, I'm the only person who's making this argument. That was a touchdown. He, I, I don't yeah. care what anybody says. I mean, in in reality, in, in, in God's eyes, it was a touchdown. But No, in, even in the, in the rules of the NFL, he survived the ground. That's the rule. He hit the ground with control. So it is the rule. The You're zone. right about that. Like the, the play Cal- is over. He sur- he survived the ground, and then the ball was kicked out of his yeah, hands. The Calvin Johnson rule is not the rule anymore. Where like even when you're standing up, balancing on the ball, you still have to maintain possession. No, that's not the rule, Matt. Like Matt, you're right about that. It's just and and the the fact that the Packers didn't didn't tell Lafleur to go throw a challenge flag eh, blows my mind. That's such a hard challenge. It it just is. <laughs> but there was there was a direct video of him. On his back, like the ball is is in two hands up against his chest and doesn't move the whole time he's falling. It doesn't move when he hits the ground, and then it gets kicked and comes out. That that should have been overturned. I'm like, I I feel like I'm the only person pounding the table for this because well, they won. Also, if just, they would have lost, this is different. Hold on to the ball, man. Just yeah, also just that don't but, don't I have. Mean, I'm you're pretty sure an NFL hold receiver. The ball hold kicked. on to the damn ball. <laughs> it was it was literally kicked. I don't know if I could hold. The good news is he got a chance to drop a touchdown again later. So, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so I got rece- all evened out. I got uh, receded a lot on Jaden Reed a couple weeks ago, but I'm right on Jaden Reed. I just am. I'm, I'm absolutely correct. My diagnosis on him was perfect, <laughs> and which is, yeah, he's he is a good athlete, but he does not catch enough of his targets. And people blamed his garbage quarterback in college, who uh, was his buddy growing up, which is fine because he sucks. But also, he doesn't catch enough passes. So, uh, I'm so. I do want to back up a little bit because right. we only, we gl- we glossed over Wicks. Um. So the the play that that uh, everyone is comparing to Aaron Rodgers is this uh, play action boot because Love uses the Aaron Rodgers play action motion. It is it's the exact same everything. He holds the Nanan ball hand out like he's playing a, a guitar. And then has the exact same three-step cadence before he turns and runs. It's it's yep. crazy. It's like watching a superimposed Aaron Rodgers. That video. is definitely one learned from um, Aaron. Absolutely. And then he he boots around and throws it to Wicks for like thirteen yards or something. But if you watch Wicks on that play, he does this Devonte Adams jab step 
release where he is legitimately three yards away from the corner covering him. Like, broke his ankles off the line. It is immaculate. He moves like him. He does. Um, they, I feel like they target him down the field a little too much. They should give him more of the Devante routes. That's what he's good at. Like, his his Razcar tells you the truth about him, which is that he's extremely fast for the first 10 yards of the routes. And then people catch up. And um, But he's open. He's open early, and get him the ball. They're starting to, too. He's going to be a good one, I think. Uh, he's really starting to show more and more every single week. I like Wicks a lot. I'm optimistic on that one. I think that's especially important because it doesn't seem like the receivers are great, most of them, at getting off the line. That was an observation by Tom Silverstein yeah. on, the, on the Packers Green 19 podcast that even Dobbs, it just that isn't – maybe we're just not seeing that yet, but – they're not getting that initial separation and wicks maybe is one of the outliers who can like just use it go, go after that guy. yeah it's definitely a weakness tom is right about that as he generally is um they had timing problems in this game they tried to run that like uh jet sweep motion with Jaden reed to spring him open for like the Devonte on jill and ramsey touchdown and the timing was all messed up on it uh that that, that was bad uh, Dobbs was never like one of the reports on him out of college was he has trouble getting a clean break on the line and will in the NFL because he was in the, an air raid scheme and nobody was ever jamming him ever. Uh, that's a work in progress. Uh, it, it's a, it, it is a, a problem and it wicks is one of the only good guys on the team at actually doing it. Uh, Samori Toure, same deal. You can jam the heck out of him. He, he played uh, in the slot like 75% of the time at Nebraska, um, Always had the benefits of the the drop back um, spots in in uh, in the formation, and yeah, it's a it's a bit of a problem. But Wix is the cure. So Jr., if mm. you had to guess, who would you say during that game was the oldest person on the offense, and how old do you think they were? Oh wow! Uh, is it is it Kishon Nixon? Is- I have no idea. <laughs> Of the starting offense, the oldest player was John Runyon John Jr. Runyon Jr. Yeah. And he's oh 26.2 years old. That's incredible. So we I, mean, I, I, we I know that they don't they 11, have 131-year-olds like, in Bakhtiari, and that's it. It is yeah. eleven children out there. It is. So like the growing pains are real. Yeah, we should mention too. Oh, yeah. We lead the league in penalties. Most of those are offensive. We have thirty-three penalties after this week. That does need to get cleaned up. Some of that is just offensive line lacking depth. There's a lot of holding penalties that have happened, but there's a lot of procedure stuff too that they should clean up. Yeah. You know, going back to the Green 19 podcast, I think it was Ryan Wood who made this point, and I hadn't thought about it this way as it relates to the penalties, that Matt LaFleur is emptying the playbook in a way that he wasn't really able to do with <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. You've got too. things like <laughs> bounce passes and whatnot uh, on fourth down or whatever that was. But um, maybe it's a little too complicated for a bunch of 26-year-olds who haven't learned the playbook yet. You know, And, and uh, he said know. something I, I think, to that effect. I think if you are over the age of 23 and you have been playing football for 13 of those years, you should be able to throw it 15 feet. Yes, but that's not the issue. I, I'm yeah. saying that the, the complication has created pre-snap penalties because yeah, these guys the are thinking about a lot of stuff. Right, exactly. I was, I was uh, like two years ago, I was on that Cheesehead TV show they had with A.J. Dillon on it uh, to bring everything back around. 
And one thing he, he actually said on that show, I don't think to me, but to somebody was like, you guys want us all to run like all these crazy plays and like have 50 plays a game. And, like we have like two days to do like play implementation and they got to work off each other. And we have to memorize all this stuff. Like we can't run like a 400 page page playbook every week. It's impossible. And yeah, it's probably easier to run more stuff when you have veterans who kind of, you know, know the overarching philosophy of what they're doing a little better and can freelance a bit. But everybody here is learning for the first time just got here just got everybody so, i just showed up man i just read this once <laughs> so so when i'm in kanzahoma um the tv is on one of three channels um it is a uh, fox news csnbc or um espn and so i don't feel like watching news i don't feel like watching finance so espn is is kind of like where it lies and Pat McAfee's show is on ESPN now. I don't know if you guys <laughs> knew that or not. Uh, I'd heard, um, but don't care. And he had a, I'm pretty sure it was a former lineman was on and was talking about preparing for Thursday games. That was like the topic of discussion. And he's like, yeah, man. He goes, we take our playbook where we usually have 130 plays. That's what he, the number he gave. It's very specific. It's an oddly specific number. It feels authentic. He said, and we caught it down to 50. He goes, for a Thursday game, you cut it down to 50. Yeah. He said, you don't actually practice. It's all walkthroughs, and you're just studying your 50 plays. I feel like it actually hurts the Packers pretty routinely when they have short weeks or when they travel to the West Coast. I feel like that happens every time, and their offense ends up looking bad. With Aaron, those games often turned into 50 shotgun snaps um, and nothing else. Uh, it, it was a problem. Like I remember them either losing or being close to losing to the Chargers and Raiders, uh, both out West, when that happened in short, short uh, succession and... I think that could be an issue on on Detroit and on Thursday too. But Detroit has the same issue. They run a lot of fun stuff too, so might balance out. Yeah, but Sam Laporta looks real good. He does. That was a good call. That was a good draft pick. Nicely done. Get guys from crappy you, you big teams. Do it. It works really well. I was really excited to see Isaac Yadam out there for the yeah, Saints. Yeah, let's talk on, about how uh... smart we are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, seriously though, like... They they talk about like picking on a corner. That was that goes beyond that. That is that is high school bullying a, a corner. Like <laughs> like we we called Domino's and sent pizzas to his house level of picking on that man. <laughs> so Paulson and Debo missed this game and Packer former Packer special teamer Isaac Yadam was the backup and at with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, the offensive philosophy just became um, everybody go pick on Isaac and uh, he's not very good and that's what they did and to Isaac's credit he actually had pretty tight coverage pretty frequently it's just that he's not actually good at making plays on the ball apparently so it worked it worked really well <laughs> so I, there was there was an unusual so Taylor being their like I guess number one corner I, oh I mean Marshall Lattimore, Lattimore but, yeah so, so Taylor Taylor being targeted as much as he was and as successful as he was early I really feel like Love kept throwing at him looking for flags because Taylor was very grabby. And he did get one. I mean, that was one of the and, two. But, but, but he only got one. He only got one. Against. Yeah. And, and so I feel like the reason that they started picking on Yadam late is because they weren't getting the flags that they were expecting throwing at Taylor. That's very hmm. possible. It could be. Like that's. I think that's why they didn't pick on him earlier, I guess, is the point I'm making. Yep. And I do think this was specific. I, I'm so Matt. Your theory is they just weren't getting him on nickel corner guy. Um, I think they also 
wouldn't have just gone after generic weak cornerback like this. I think this was specifically like somebody ran down with Isaac Yadam's scouting report and stuck it in Matt LaFleur's face and was like, oh, we'll just do that. Uh, Romeo, just go beat him um, <laughs> repeatedly. So, um, And it worked. It was a big part of the comeback. Well, I mean, we, we have ah. a well-established uh, timeline of of LaFleur and Bisaccia having conversations on the sideline. So I wonder if Bisaccia <laughs> just walked over and tapped him on the shoulder. And that guy like, can't hey, play. <laughs> yeah, like 27 is trash. You should throw at that guy. <laughs> and the the, uh, the go-ahead touchdown was on Isaac Yadam, who looked very sad ah. walking away from the play. <laughs> what a what well, a catch, though. I mean, he got, he he was. got back shoulder mossed after. Also, that... Like everything that is said about Jordan Love being clutch and whatnot, that play embodies. Like he decided, he's like, I'm going to throw at Dobbs. Dobbs has a one on one against Isaac Yadam. He goes three step drop at the top of his drop, hits his back foot, yep, out, bam. He had two defenders in his lap on a three step drop. Like uh, Royce absolutely let his guy by. Um, I don't know who was, who was playing right tackle at that point. Uh,. Not Tom. Um, who I don't so know. Whoever, yeah. So whoever the right tackle was at that point Some was guy. also in yeah. in his lap. So he had two defenders and a Packer right on him, and it was just like I'm gonna throw this ball. Like, so yeah, it was it was very Brett Farvian, and then he was he he was uh, within the confines of the offense, but in a way that requires a special talent. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, it does. So I didn't think. Also, we're oh, go, oh, go ahead, ahead, JR. I was going to move on to the two-point conversion, yeah, but you that. finish your thought. No, no, I was going to also move on to the two-point conversion because that's when I thought we were going to win. Um, I did not think mm-hmm. we had a chance until we went for two and made it, and then I was like, "Okay, we did a smart thing, and it worked, and now we are destined to actually win the game uh, because we will be rewarded no. for our boldness." Okay, I fully thought we were destined to lose because of that. Why? Because Joe Barry. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> did you? Did you? Okay, a one point lead with a Joe Barry defense in two minutes to yeah, go. Yeah, I feel like it's different. Like if you settle for being down six, it's different than if you're bold and get up one. Uh, I just in my brain, those are different things. If you set- yeah, but however, how many how many times have we on this very podcast discussed that a three point lead is safer than a four point lead? Yeah, but like desperate times here, and they've been so good the rest of the game. And so, well, okay, usually one of my tweets during the game gets does numbers, and it just so happens that the tweet after the two-point conversion is the one that did numbers, where I said, I'm going to do the PG version here. Joe Barry, if you mess this up, I'm going to fly to Wisconsin and poop in your mailbox. Nice PG version. And, and that was, I literally, I literally got DMs from people in Wisconsin that were like, I'll do it for you, bro. <laughs> I, I do want to quickly go over why it's smart to go for two. Um, and it covered pretty well on, on the broadcast. But um, if you tie the game and hold, then you go to overtime. So that cuts your chances of like, if you, if you kick the extra point, you're tied. You go to overtime, it's only 50% that you win from overtime. Uh, you're introducing a lot of luck into the situation there. Uh, if you go up by one, you know, um, it's it's basically the math question of uh, 
are you more confident in getting the two-point conversion or playing the luck game and being the first team to score a touchdown or whatever in overtime? And um, so it's not always clear-cut. Like, sometimes it actually probably isn't smart to go for two. And um, honestly, it's not like the Packers were dominant from the two-yard line and have been this season. But um, but if it works out, you know, it puts a lot more pressure on the other team to score. And it did work out here on a very nice play and a very nice throw to Samari Toure, who is only good play of the game and God bless him for holding on to that thing. Got, got do, free from Lattimore, too, to do it. That was yes, pretty he did. <laughs> I do believe that the uh, two-point conversion versus uh, playing for overtime is whether or not you believe in momentum as, as a real factor in football games. Because if, if you have... If, if you're the team that goes and forces overtime after coming back from a 17-point deficit and you believe in momentum, you're going to play for overtime. Or if you're a team who relies on statistics and knows that overtime is actually a 50-50 coin flip regardless of momentum, and the two-point conversion success rate is like, is it 56%? Isn't that high? I thought it was like 40. It's, it's, it's variable, but I, I do recall the reason that the Steelers did it is because it averaged out to being... Two percent higher than kicking the the field goals. It is between forty and fifty five percent. Thank you, statistics. That's not helpful at all. So okay, but it makes so, sense though because uh, it depends so, on how so, good you are at that. Well, I'm so. I'm going to default to when the Steelers had an iffy kicker the year that um, extra points were moved back. So extra points went from ninety nine percent down to ninety six. Yeah, I think I'm, that's just off the top of my head. And the Steelers did the math on their two-point conversions, and they found that you average, it was like 0.96 points per um, extra point or 0.98 points per two-point conversion. So that's why they did it. All right. So we shouldn't rip on Joe Barry too much um, because the defense did hold. And a 46-yard field goal is not ideal, but it's a difficult kick in, in, in Lambeau, and he missed it, thank goodness. And also, even if he'd made it, uh, the, the Packers actually handled that drive pretty well. They were still going to have a minute left and two timeouts. So it was not even over if they made that field goal at all. They had actually a good amount of time. So, um, And aside from that, the defense was nails. It was great. It had a, it had a really, really good day. They, they gave up a touchdown on the first drive and a field goal, and that's it. Um, so I don't think you can ask for more out of Joe Barry in this game. Uh, and the pass rush was just killer in this game. Li- kind of <laughs> okay, literally. <laughs> I, okay, so so I made, a, I made a hyperbolic tweet where I said that Rashawn Gary was averaging two, two snaps per sack, <laughs> I think. And then it ends up that he had something like, like, so it was two sacks and four QB hits in 23 snaps. He had three sacks. Oh, sorry, three three sacks, four QB hits in twenty three. Yeah, twenty three snaps. snaps. Yeah. So it was legitimately three snaps per when he yeah. touched the quarterback. Yep. I think he leads the NFL in pressure rates, and uh, he's just murdering people. Kenny was just so, as good. Uh, and well, Gary has similar stats to the Lions. Um, Aiden. Yeah. Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson. And Aiden Hutchinson has like hundred and thirty <laughs> pass rush snaps. <laughs> Ah, he's so good. Yeah, and I mean, knocking out David David Carr. I do this all the time. I do too. Uh, Derek Carr, obviously, <laughs> had a big no, role. Like I mean, you don't you, want, you don't want to rely like, on that. But but when you when you think of a quarterback with the last name Carr who gets sacked horribly, <laughs> David, David Carr, Carr is the one who comes. <laughs> yeah. 
I have never been able to to get that out of my brain. Uh, but uh, th- I mean, things change without. Well, I mean, Jameis Winston is just just terrible. He was just so bad. So that gave them a chance to that gave the defense a chance to just keep them stuck on seventeen. Yeah, they were not going to score again with Jameis Winston outside of a field goal. Which which yes, they're very they're very lucky to have won this game. But uh, they they caught and, and they caught a break. They caught breaks. I still think if you subtract some of those penalties, they win this game eight, nine times out of ten. Yeah, agreed. Uh, no matter what, uh, how it finished, but uh, but they, they they definitely did get some breaks because if if Derek Carr is a quarterback the whole time, I think I think they probably lose. Yeah, the Saints, so, Saints Jay- were in their wheelhouse for this game too. Like Atlanta's great at running the ball, and the Packers are shit at stopping it. Not ah, dang it, now I got to put the thing on it. Um, but the Saints are- <laughs> <laughs> was that the first swear? Yeah, it was. was- Saints are the opposite what? though. Saints, the Saints can't run the ball at all. Their their offensive line's terrible at it. Like this is the, this is an offense that Joe Barry's defense is actually made to stop, and it actually worked. So we should we should take credit, give credit where it's due. That it did what it was well, supposed I- to do. <laughs> I, I'm I'm going to give direct shout outs to the APC comment section on this one. There was a guy who swore up and down that Taysom Hill was going to go for 100 yards on the ground. <laughs> Taysom Hill's awful, man. They should get yeah. rid of him. He, Taysom Hill is, well, it's, I don't think Taysom Hill is awful. I just think Taysom Hill is old. Well, and, and he's got a case of the olds. He has made like a, like five splash plays that have mattered. I think that he won him a playoff game once, right? Like that's the main thing with Taysom yes, Hill. Yes, he won them a play, playoff game. But by and large, they're much worse when he's on the field than when they just play sure. normal offense. So don't well, it's funny, do okay. it. Okay, my talking all this crap about Taysom Hill, like back when the Saints first got him, was now at this point, what, like five or six years ago? We're, we're looking at least five seasons yeah. ago, right? That was because he had a blocked punt, and that's when people were oh, like... Oh, yeah, he did, didn't he? People were like, oh, you know, blah, 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 Taysom Hill. And I was over here like, okay, he's not the heir apparent QB because he's on special teams. But at that time, he probably would have been the best tight end on the Packers. Probably would have, probably would have. Uh, before we move on, um, so Jimmy Graham scored a touchdown on the first drive of the game, and uh, he is the third string tight end on this team. Um do you guys think this was that they put him in here for like an actual like revenge on his old team? Oh, absolutely. I think the, I why think does he, he care about it. the Packers? That's weird. I have, okay, but he also he he scored a touchdown on Razul. Like you got to retire at that point. The corpse of Jimmy Graham just scored a <laughs> touchdown. <laughs> This would have so been Jimmy, the dumbest loss ever because it would have been a Jimmy Graham touchdown. It would have been a special teams touchdown, yep. and they would have lost because of those things. That is just correct. wild. So, Very Packers. Okay, so Jimmy Graham had prior to this game had two touchdowns on in Lambeau Field in uh, in his time with the Packers. Was that two years? Three years? Three? Uh, let's say three. Could yeah, be. I think it was two touch two touchdowns in three years, and the dude had one touchdown in five minutes, <laughs> like that. Because they forced it. That's fine. I know. It's just, uh, it was bad. I, however, what can be said about that is we saw a little bit tighter coverage after the Jimmy Graham touchdown. So maybe it was a blessing maybe, in disguise. Maybe it worked. It riled people up. Could be. Who knows? Um, but I wanted to, I wanted to, before we moved on too far from, from, uh, Jameis Winston, you know, for the content, JR, you, do mm. you know, uh, Jameis Winston actually has a very high overall card in Madden Ultimate Team this year because they are leaning into the they are leaning into the AKAs. So people who have very strong nicknames. For example, 
Lawrence Taylor. Everyone refers to him as LT. LT, right. Um, Jerry Rice has a Madden Ultimate Team card. He goes by GOAT. Okay. Obvious. Um, Jameis Winston has an AKA card. Oh, no. Do you guys, do you guys know what it might be? Is it 50 and 50? No, oh, 30 and 30. 30 and 30. 30. 30. Yeah, no, 30 and so, 30. Okay, so, so Famous Jameis apparently is his nickname. Oh, mm, okay. Um, which uh, Bucks fans co-opted back when he was their quarterback and referred to him as Heinous Jameis. <laughs> <laughs> Heinous Jameis. Um, yeah, it just rolls off the tongue. So, so yeah, as soon as he was in, I, I was like, we got a shot. He's, okay. he's not very good. Uh, Paul, do they have any chance against Detroit? Because I just saw Detroit <laughs> shut down Atlanta where the Packers absolutely could not. Uh, and th- I don't know. I, uh, I think they do. And uh, because this week is wacky, I already recorded the mini pod, so I already did stuff. Um, the main thing the Packers have going for them is that Detroit's also quite banged up. And they have uh, two to three offensive linemen who did not practice at all last week. Uh, Taylor Decker, um, uh, Vitae, who I'm not going to try and pronounce his first name because it'll be horrible. And uh, Frank Ragnow. And if they don't have offensive line people, it's super important for Detroit because uh, Jared Goff is one of the weirdest quarterbacks in the league in that he is literally one of the best quarterbacks in football if he's protected and he's good at getting the ball out quickly. Um, But when you get pressure on him, he becomes like the worst quarterback in football. It's a very stark difference. (laughs) Also, it is it is a cliff. It's a cliff. It's like 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 two point nine seconds. And he is Joe Montana. Yep. 3.1 seconds, and he's Zach Wilson. And it's not a gradual <laughs> decline. So if the Packers pass rush shows up and Rashawn Gary's a terror, they can actually slow them down. Um, mm. which well, that's is, the one thing I trust this defense to do game in and game out at this point yeah. is rush the quarterback. Yeah. Now, on the opposite side, um, Detroit's also, if they have those linemen, very good at protecting him and can run the ball extremely effectively, which is not good for us at all. Like, Jameer Gibbs is really good. Um, it's actually David Montgomery's been a little banged up, and it would be helpful if he played because he's much worse than the other running back on that team. So there's that. Um, and then their defense, is, uh, Kirby Joseph did not play last week. Also, um, they were down at least one more corner. Um, but they were if if our offensive line doesn't show up, like if Bach and and Tom and Elton are all out this Thursday, which I think at least two out of three of them, and probably all of them will be. Uh, they sacked Desmond Ritter seven times uh, last week, <laughs> and so the Detroit pass rush has been doing quite well. That's not great. Um, it's real. This I think this injuries are all all that matters in this game. Um, whoever's healthier is probably going to win it. So yeah, well, um, hopefully, I'm, I'm, hopefully they get some of these guys back. Hopefully so. I'm I'm looking at the week four injury report for both teams right now. Um, David Montgomery was listed as limited participation. Yay. That's good. Um, Kirby Joseph limited participation. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Taylor Decker limited participant. Okay, he was DNP last week, so he's getting better. Yeah. Uh, Halapala Malaman Falava, the guard. Uh, Valtal, whatever the hell that guy's name is. The the name that you said you didn't want to say. Right. That you just butchered. Correct. Yes. It, <laughs> um. Did not participate. Uh, Frank Ragnow did not participate. Okay. Matt Matt Nelson did not participate. Matt Nelson didn't participate. Yeah. Oh, that that puts that really that's going far down the list uh, uh, at that point. Yeah. So well, I mean, so it, you know what I don't gonna... trust? Short week injury. Reports. I know. I know. Totally true. 
Okay, but uh, I don't know. The Packers did not participate versus limited participant kind of tracks though. So like that's why I am actually putting I'm I'm putting a little bit of stock into this. These these Thursday games are they're shit shows. And trying to just, predict them is stupid. Like nobody yeah, knows it's right. gonna happen. It probably okay, also all NFL players dislike Thursday yeah. games. Like like they all understand the importance of Thanksgiving Thursday. I do feel like but De- like Detroit is like the better team than us. They're they're more mature, they're more well rounded, their talent level's probably higher. So Thursday is probably good for us. Like it's a little bit of an equalizer. It adds chaos to things. So yeah, there's that. Uh, go- last thing, Goff is kind of bad on the road. His road home splits are not great. I think it's actually more of an indoor-outdoor thing than anything else. I think he he likes the controlled environment, and adding a little bit of wind and whatnot can get into him. So that's good, too. So it, does Is it Stathead that can do indoor-outdoor splits? Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> I, okay, I, I, I remember seeing at one point, because... I think it was last year or the year before we were discussing. I'm not sure. Warm, actually, I'll see we, we were discussing a warm weather Aaron Rodgers versus indoor Aaron Rodgers. Oh yeah, that's a stark difference. Absolutely. Um, and warm weather Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback of all time, bar none. There's there's no discussion. Yep. Um, and I feel like we use Stathead for that. So I mean, I'll see what I can you, do while we're talking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, Jared. And also, I remember we were looking at, like, at one point on APC, we were talking about, like, the coldest game that someone had ever played. And I think it was, like, Baker Mayfield or something. And Here we go. He was about I got gotcha. you. All right. So, career. Um, in a dome, he completes about 67% of his passes. Outside, he completes about 62% of his passes. Um, let's see. Yards per attempt. That's weird. Yards per attempt is better outdoors. What the heck? Um so he's he's yeeting it. He's yeeting it outside. Yeah, <laughs> that's bizarre. I can't find yards per completion on this stupid chart, so I can't do the compare. Oh, here it is. It doesn't have it. This is stupid. Stat has so JR, missing a key thing here. Jr. Yeah. with your with your generation alpha kid and your, and your um, move into the the TikTok generation. <laughs> okay. Wow. Um, there is now a generation of people who don't know what kobe really means but they understand they understand that kobe is for accuracy and yeet is for power jeez i i don't i can't speak to that i don't know um all i know is i was at a friend's house last year in the pool kid yelled kobe as he was taking shots and as soon as he hit the backboard and not the rim he said westbrook instead (laughs) that made me laugh so I, I would say ask ask your son um two different scenarios right like hey you want to throw something as far as you possibly can and you yell something to help you what would you say he would probably say yeet if you asked him to throw something into a trash can see if he says kobe all right i pulled up a spreadsheet and did math he's 10.75 yards per completion in a dome and 12 outside so yeah that's a significant yeet difference but but what's his any <laughs> Uh, I closed it. Um, <laughs> hey, let's, let's not do, yeah, do let's, more let's, math. Let's, I was going to say, let's move on to questions while Paul does spreadsheet math. Yeah, I can't do any AI We can't. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> real quick before we do questions, um, we uh, we do 
all very much appreciate bits, and we do appreciate the sub-question bit. However, all of you are doing the sub-question bit, and um, <laughs> we we can only say the sub-question in Jack Black's voice so many times before it drives us crazy. <laughs> so we'll do it this week, and you guys can ask it next week, but we reserve the right to just answer two questions. However, if you're the first one in with the sub-question, we'll, uh, uh, one of us will still do the sub-question read properly. But like, uh, so bits are great, but they can't go on forever. They're, they lose their funniness after a while. So we're gonna, we're gonna just do a gradual fade out here. But if you're quick uh, on the, if you're quick on it, and if you're in, also if you're the inventor of it, you can still do it. That's fine. You know who you okay. are. Okay, I, I love very much that that we are all dads in this podcast, and the energy exuded is like, I love you very much. I appreciate everything about you. <laughs> Shut the hell up. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to make an executive decision and just tamp down the sub question, the sub question uh, <laughs> yeah. energy. Well, we'll we'll still get through the questions, yeah. but um let's uh you know, like you said, a good a good bit knows when it knows once, when it's time to once to every rest. once it's ubiquitous and everybody's doing it, you know, that's saturation. That's uh that's when it's time to find a new bit and and go with that until we beat that into the ground. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. So let's start our Patreon questions with the one and only Danny Noonan. Uh, <laughs> Again, patrons get question priority. Why are all these dudes hurt prior to or at the beginning of the season? What do football guys do in the offseason? <laughs> hey, can I can I start this? Yeah, I mean, I assume this is this is you, man. Like, I don't okay, know. <laughs> so, so football guys, you're gonna you're gonna say you're gonna lay out the uh, the order of like the lifts and here's what they do on Tuesdays and here's the different peptide shakes that they take. I'm already making a mark on. I'm already making a mark on this in case we commit libel. So okay, I'm the not Lord slander. I'm, I guess I am. I am not going slander. to make any slanderous statements, especially because I'm uh-huh. also. I'm pretty. Danny. Danny's a former lawyer, right? Like I'm talking to a lawyer with a lawyer. That's. 
I'm not going to make any Not to delve slanders. too much in, into Danny, but once a lawyer, always a lawyer. He's a lawyer. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Marines, right? Lawyers are like... So, um, without getting too far into it, football guys with money hire trainers. Very, It is very hard to train athletes. It is very... Uh, is very trackable. You can you can gauge the progress of someone who is a strength athlete. Okay, you can lift more than you could last week. You can hold this thing longer than you could last week. It is very hard to quantify football athleticism in terms of how much better you get outside of, say, like combine drills. And so football guys will go out and hire quote-unquote galaxy brain trainers who do weird things. And very oftentimes those people will be flashy and will stay away from like the, the gold standard of things. And you get trainers who let's say won't do any Romanian deadlifts in their entire program because deadlifts are bad for your back. But guess what? Romanian deadlifts are really good for your hamstrings. And so, you know, just, Essentially, oh, like you've got boutique trainers, and NFL players may not always be the best at going best of breed. They're honestly like I'm not a huge fitness guy, like my my brother is, but like there are just a ton of different workout philosophies and people with their own training regimens. And even if you are a high level athlete, it's probably hard to vet them properly. And a lot of times, it probably comes down to like, oh yeah, this guy helped me out. Like that's probably somewhat common, I would imagine. Um, so like finding the objective one is going to almost always take, you know, somebody else's opinion on, on who's good at it and who's bad at it. And that's not always going to be right. Here you say, you've got to do your own research. Yep. <laughs> oh my gosh. Got to do your own research. Uh, but yeah, so, so basically guys don't necessarily train in the best ways in the offseason when they're away from the strength and training staff and that isn't to say that the Packers strength and conditioning staff might not be the best because if you have a history of the same injury over and over again you would think that the staff would adjust their training regimens to maybe focus on that you're talking about David Bakhtiari's knee or no, I'm maybe talking Christian about Watson's ham- hamstring Talking about oh, hamstrings. A lot of hamstrings. Hamstrings in general. A lot of hamstrings. Um, a time when the Packers did not have hamstring injuries, oddly enough, is when they were tied to one of the biggest quacks in strength. Um, oh, yeah? Louis, Sim- Louis Simmons, rest in peace, uh, inventor of West Side Barbell. Um, it's, a, it's a very long... He's from Ohio. He's a crazy person. Read up on him. It's awesome. There's many documentaries <laughs> about him. He was tied to the Packers in the mid 2000s when they were likely at their healthiest. So, like, <laughs> figure Rest out. in peace, but not that much peace because we got some libel for you. Yes. I'm, I, I, that was, I have no, said, you were I've praiseworthy. Said, it's fine. It's, it's <laughs> I, I, I'm just giving you a hard time. Yeah. Louis, Louis Mark, Simmons Mark, essentially created American powerlifting. I have to bow at the altar before I say crazy things about him. All right. Mark Putzgarby says the Bears have not won a game since Elon Musk bought Twitter. Will they win a game before? Uh, will they win a game again before Twitter dies? <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm sorry to say, Mark, um, Twitter is already dead. That's, uh, long live. That's long true. Live X. It's, it's called X. Um, I, 
<laughs> I do think if he, if he actually starts charging people, that that will more or less kill that's it. The, that's it. Yeah, yep. that's it. So I do think the Bears will not win a game before Christmas Eve at the earliest. Um, well, Denver maybe, but I think Denver is actually quite a bit better than they are. And th- that's when they face Arizona, who I also think is quite a bit better than they are. But I think that's their chances. So um, I think there's a good chance they go 0 16. I think at best they go 2 and 2 or 0 and 17. Sorry. At best they go 2 and 15. And uh, no, I think Twitter's dead before they win another game. Twitter's going to last, outlast all of us. Yep. I still think. I still, maybe, maybe that's naive, but I mean, the thing should have been, should have been killed dead. Yeah, but I mean, the, the problem is, is is Blue Sky still being invite only and Threads just being an awful cesspool. We don't really have a Twitter 2.0 to go to, so we're stuck on that awful hell site of a bird app. Yeah, once 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 the bird app starts cha- charging, then you will see people figure it will be figured out. People yeah. will vote for it with their feet. That's right. Like, and it's whichever easy, one gets, it's easy to stay on Twitter right now, but. If he starts charging, like that will cease to be the case. Like it won't be easy to stay on Twitter. You'll actually have to go through work to stay on Twitter and give money. <laughs> so at that point, like it's it's just gonna you gotta either go somewhere or go nowhere, which maybe so, we should all do, but Reddit. The recently, biggest problem Blue Sky and Threads have is not all these issues. It's that there aren't enough people there. Yeah, it's it. not a central hub for people. Yeah, one but, of them well, no, critical Twitter's mass. Twitter's gone, something will be. Yeah. I disagree. I Threads has critical mass. Threads has the number of users you would need to sustain it's just it's awful their algorithm is awful and like ever since instagram went non-chronological it was a terrible idea for usability it was a good idea for ad revenue and that's what threads does blue sky needs more people it's blue sky feels like 2009 twitter which is a good time but uh reddit recently went through a similar change where they closed off their api to uh third-party apps and many smaller subreddits that I was part of just died day of. Yeah. Like, and because all these people were just logged in on these third party apps, they lost their login and they never went back. And I yeah. totally see that happening with Twitter. Yep. Like, the fact that TweetDeck died and killed hundreds of thousands of people's accounts. It did. Donald Anderson says, as of my writing this, the NFL leader in penalties has gone, has has gone zero games since receiving a personal foul. <laughs> Speaking of penalties, trivia time. What NFL team has the highest paid special teams coordinator? No cheating by using Google. Actual question. What was your impression of Valentine's play before his injury? I think he was pretty good. Uh, Valentine held up well. It's too bad he got hurt. I think he was having a pretty good game. Um, so, yay, good in a very, very small sample yeah. size. But, yeah, it was it was good. Um, You'd rather have Valentine than Bizarro Valentine, literally Valentine. That's <laughs> so confusing. Uh, yes, Corey Valentine not as good as Carrington Valentine uh, for sure, but it could have, could have gone worse. I'm actually surprised it didn't go worse when that happened. But yeah, yeah I, I think Valentine's got a bright future as long as he can stay healthy, and hopefully this one's not too bad. Also, the trivia time answer has got to be Bisaccio, I right? Because like, because uh, it, it's it's a Packers podcast. He's making a joke. And also, I remember Basaccia being the first time the Packers have ever back, backed up a Brinks truck for a coordinator. Like, I'm not even going to look it up. I'm just assuming that's what it is. So Yeah, I'm saying Bas. I do like Don- Donald's shtick of pointing out that we have a uh, personal foul penalty every single game so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but not Quay. 
Not quick. Because he meditates for he meditates for 15 minutes before every game. Uh, somebody pointed out that if they're going to call, allow touchdowns on special teams, then they need to stop filling this roster with special teamers. I think that's obviously a little glib, but fair because, you know, it's it's always like I, I always thought this about field first shortstops, guys who couldn't hit a lick, but, you know, were really good defensively. Like if yeah. you don't make every play, there's just legitimately no point. And so it only takes one or two special teams plays to really be a problem. So yep. if you can't make every play, there's legitimately no point in overloading your roster with special teams guys. Also, if one more person says we fence, I'm going to lose my GD mind. Like you can't I haven't talk seen about that. The... No, I haven't either. Oh, you guys haven't seen we fence. No, that's you should block Laf- all those people. I haven't. Seen Are you no, hearing what... for people that, that you... is Are... that is what Matthew Lafleur himself refers to as special teams. Oh. Huh. He calls it we fence, and you know what? If you're going to treat it as a true third phase of the game, maybe don't suck at it. Hmm. Jack Bushman says, "I have heard people suggest that some of the motion used in Matt Lafleur's offense could be considered illegal. Can you explain the reason for this to me? Like I am five. Ah, <laughs> uh, um, there's a couple reasons that it can sometimes be illegal. One of which is the the CFL rule: you can't be moving forward at the snap." And a lot of times the jet motion guy is starting to curve up field a little bit earlier. Um, there was definitely a play last week against Atlanta where I think it was Jaden Reed like was coming. He was coming with a full head of steam up field on motion and definitely should have been called. Uh, there's also been many instances, some called, some not, of uh, not properly covering the end post motion. So that's one that happens pretty frequently too. So yeah, um, they push the, uh, the envelope on that with some regularity they haven't gotten a, i don't think they've gotten a forward motion one yet maybe they have but. they have not gotten a forward motion they've gotten an uncovered they've gotten they've um, definitely gotten an uncovered end at least once or twice um so what do you guys think the over under is before the word parabolic finds its way into the <laughs> because into of the, the motion. playbook yes uh, uh, it's probably already in the playbook. Just we have to start talking. No, about but, it. but do I'm we saying, not talk so, about. Do we not have parabolic deflectors anymore? I guess I don't see them on the sidelines as much. No, I'm t- I'm talking about in the NFL rulebook. I, I feel like the word parabolic is going to enter because of the motion. The motion, yeah, maybe because, because you're not technically moving like toward. Is it like it's like directly towards your own end zone or something like that? Is the it's something is, like is, that? Yeah, but I do know that the word perpendicular exists within the nfl playbook uh specifically for linemen taking a handoff oh had no idea yeah um so you must be perpendicular and facing your own end zone as a lineman before you can take a handoff unless you are behind the person handing the ball off so you could technically run an end around to your right tackle if you wanted to (laughs) Uh, but yeah i think the word parabolic hits the nfl rule book in the next three years could be parabolas is that advanced algebra trigonometry i forget whatever trigonometry is triangles yeah it's just geometry whatever just uh yeah Yeah, i hated it whatever it was no i liked geometry geometry was fine it's algebra we're doing x squared x squared makes a parabola yeah yeah algebra forget that man uh, okay, Price Trozen. I was all set to reverse course on being Johnny Optimism, but then the comeback. Anyway, can Paul give me a quick update on Love's <laughs> EPA CPOE chart after this game? Sure. I expect it to be just as weird. His sub question. Last year, JR admitted that he's never done karaoke. 
Is this still the case? Or if not, and he has, what song did he go with? I've still not done karaoke. Uh, I really wanted to. I really, really wanted to. I had a song lined up for the Christmas party last year. I had uh, several drinks so that I could I could be courageous enough to get up on that stage. I just never did it. They did not have the song that I wanted in their songbook. So there, I had a couple like lesser ones that I wasn't fond of, and ended up just just not doing that. <laughs> I have taught myself all the words to um, "We Didn't Start the Fire." I figured that's a good You're, journalism. No song. way. So if there's you a, could you could seriously yeah. do "We Didn't Start the Fire." I can. Is, it's th- I can. that would be At one of point, the most. I mean, that would be one of the most impressive karaoke feats I have ever well, so, seen. So here's the thing about that, though. Like, I ha- I also know all the words to End of the World as we know yeah. it, and I feel fine. Taught myself that in high school. Little foggy. Third verse is not my... F- I-, I can I can trip up on that one, but I-, I mostly can do it. But see, like, when you do karaoke, you see the words. So is it still impressive if yes. you just are reading off of a screen? Because, you know, the- the- you don't get credit for the for the memorization of it, which is the feat. Now, at least with We Didn't Start the Fire, there's a lot of cadence to that song. It's there's there's, you know, it's obviously a lot of historical figures, but then there's 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 a little more to it, I think. Yeah, there's so it's not a, it's work. not just a consistent drum beat. It's you know, you got the occasional like Roy Roy Khan Juan Peron line in there. Yeah, I think Toscanini Dacron, that's I, right. I think in in terms of if you were gonna do a top three level of difficulty with that style of song, it would be like one week by Bare Naked Ladies. Yes, oh, yes, I know that one. yes. And then, like that's your intro to that style. Then it would be uh, end of the world. Then it would be we didn't start the fire. I think sure, that's sure. that's the final boss. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, yeah, I love how Paul. It's Roy Cohn, Juan Perón. You mispronounced the names in the song as well. <laughs> Keeping very consistent. I love it. Yes. Um, uh, as for the chart, um, it, love still exists in the upper left quadrant where no one exists except for him. Uh, but his EPA did take a hit in that game, as it should have. He was not as productive until that very last drive. And his CPOE is still the worst in the league with a bullet. So he is at the extreme left of the chart, but has come down a little bit from his high. And that's okay. Those don't adjust for the quality of defense, and New Orleans is a good one. So that's not entirely unexpected. But it would be nice if the next time they play a less good defense, it shot back up a little bit. Side note, uh, I recently referred to something as with a bullet and was accused of using a Fallout Boy reference. That's, that's, isn't that just Oh, a, no. Isn't that just an old-timey <laughs> phrase? It is an yes, old-timey phrase. It is an old-timey phrase. Okay, good. Be your number one with a bullet. That's 1999, <laughs> yeah. 2001, whatever. N- no, it's the, after that. So The phrase uh, existed long before that. Yeah, like 04, maybe. Yes, it is. So, uh, Sugar We're Going Down came out the summer that I got my driver's license. Nice. I know this because I had it on like. You got every... your driver's license? Is that an Olivia Rodrigo reference? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just got that last week. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, um, number one with a bullet. Hey, you know what? Enough drinks in me, and I would do driver's license by Olivia Rodrigo. As your karaoke song? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, I can't. The visual of you just hitting the chorus there. Uh, walking well, J- somberly around the stage, all <laughs> sad and mopey and emo. Oh, my God. Well, J- JR, you know my top three, right? I, you've told me. I'm sure you've told me. It's not information I keep, but go ahead. Yeah. Tell me again. Okay, so my so my my first song to lull, like, I got the top three, right? First yeah. one is uh, Toby Keith's Whiskey Girl. Yes, okay. It is perfectly within my range, takes no effort, very easy song. 
um, complete turnaround. I believe in a thing called love by the darkness. Yes, you said that. Done, done almost. I, I remember you saying that. I find and that a really bad idea. Least, yeah, keep going. <laughs> uh, last but not least, let's get it on by Marvin Gaye. Sure. Fine. Done in the style of Jack, of Black, Jack Black from High Fidelity. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Just to bring that back um, around. Some first. question. So uh, there was live karaoke on the cruise that I went on for my honeymoon, which means that it was karaoke with a band instead of a right, backing yes. track. Um, I did Let's Get It On by Marvin Gaye, and I have never seen my wife's face redder <laughs> than I ever have in that moment. Oh, so good. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I just I'm sorry but I'm still picturing you singing driver's license just m- moping around the stage. Incredible. Uh where I have no idea where I think we we're are. on JD. Thoughts. JD, uh thoughts on the fourth down halfback pass play. I loved it. Just poor execution on the throw by Wilson should have been a touchdown. Sub question, do you think LaFleur looks rejuvenated now that he's free of 12 cramping his style a bit? Seems like it to me. To the latter, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. he's throwing bounce passes on uh, fourth down, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think there's just also some youthful exuberance to having a brand new team to see what they can do, kick the tires on this puppy. So yeah, um, I'm so, go- I'm good with that play. Um, I just wouldn't run it on fourth down. Like you don't need to make it. Oh, a- I I I would absolutely run that on fourth. No, down, no, 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 no. That's that play can just work on a normal down and then not be a do or die play. Like you, and it, it did almost work. It was just a bad pass. And on, Jordan Love, I saw get ripped on by like a defector person and some other people for the awkward throw but the turf just gave out on him like that was just a bad line or like a bad field problem there more than anything else so so a a cut up version of that play of love slipping and then throwing the wild pass kind of went viral where they didn't see him having to chase down the ball ball, yeah and it's kind of unfair um i like it as a fourth down call because who the hell expects a trick play like that on fourth down and and Wicks was wide open. He was. Like, it worked. They just had liked to it. do it. Yeah. Um, but th- this question just unlocked a weird memory. Um, mm. from when Johnny Manziel was drafted. Uh, I remember very specifically John Gruden QB camp did a bit about Johnny Manziel training with the Browns, and the Browns went out and got footballs without laces for him to take shotgun snaps with immediate snap passes. Why? So then that way he could just catch the ball, not find the laces and accurate, accurately throw a pass. Okay. But so like, like throw a, throw a screen or something at the snap without having to find the laces. Okay. But isn't that teaching you to not do something that you actually needed to do in an NFL game? Like you do have to- yeah. So, so it was just specific, like for those specific situations, if you're going to run like a smoke screen or, or whatever. Um, I, I don't know. That's just what I was thinking about. Of like, I'm pretty sure Patrick right. did not find the laces on that. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah. But yeah, like very sp- the Browns had footballs without laces for that exact The Browns situation. are morons. The Browns should not do... Okay, let's talk about the Packers yeah, well, some more. John Gruden thought that that was a good idea. John Gruden's wrong. That was stupid. PJ Wessel says, stealing this game makes up for giving away the Atlanta game, right? Also, how do they quickly fix their penalty problem? <laughs> uh, yes, I think it does, kind of. It, it, stealing games is great, especially when you do it by being kind of smart. And uh, th- this is just going to take some time together as a team. I still think they're going to be a losing team. I still at two and one. Yeah. I don't know. 
I uh, also I disagree, Paul, because if we trade AJ Dillon, we cut out most of those. <laughs> <laughs> Fair, possibly. Um, okay, yeah. I I spent all off season saying that this was a six win team that had a nine win schedule, right? Yep. I. I every single time I looked at the Packers record, I had them leaving the Kansas City game with four wins. So they are ahead of schedule in my opinion. I don't understand why I still get so worked up when I thought <laughs> that they were going to be awful. <laughs> All right, Scott, wait. Nope, PJ Wessels. Nope, already read that one. I'm struggling, guys. Scott, <laughs> it's late. Jordan Love demonstrates two key quarterback traits, poise and mostly good decision-making and reads. His accuracy seems inconsistent, especially deep. Yep. Are there any very good quarterbacks historically who have struggled with accuracy, accuracy deep like Love? Sub-question, how much of deep accuracy depends on receivers getting good separation and reading deep balls well? Uh, second part first, not that much. Um. The ball's got to be there. It, some guys can, if you, if you, you'll occasionally get a quarterback who can just kind of huck it high and you'll have like a Randy Moss type guy who can just go and s grab it out of the air and run underneath it, fix a lot of problems. And we don't have that. Um, but Love's deep balls aren't getting particularly close. They're not coming in at the right angle. Like it's a problem. And um, I, I can't off the top of my head think of somebody who's really fixed it. Favre actually kind of sucked at it for a while and might be the go-to there. Like, that big gun of his often had him overshooting people and not giving him a chance underneath it, like not getting it up in the air enough. And he did get better over time, so there's that one. But comparing people to Brett Favre is not the greatest idea. <laughs> yeah, but the, the, the difference being is that in the way that someone would throw a 15-yard bullet, Brett Favre threw that 50 yards. Right, yes. And it is really hard to catch a 50-yard frozen rope kind of pass it is so so aaron Rodgers holds the nfl record for the longest air yard completion and it's actually not the richard rogers hail mary okay uh the richard rogers hail mary officially was 65 air yards um janice it was actually Donald Driver. Donald Driver has like a 70-yard I catch. remember that play. That play was insane. It was very early on in Rodgers' career. Um, and and if you look at those two plays, they are very similar in terms of yardage. The Donald Driver play was an amazing play by Aaron Rodgers' arm as well as Donald Driver. Yeah, because he kept running. <laughs> the Richard Rodgers catch was like catching a punt or a kickoff with a perfect spiral. There is... A level of touch, even though you have to absolutely yeet that some bitch all the way down the field, yeah. there is a level of touch. There's got to be an approach angle. Is that the best way to put it? Like I think so. Uh, love, love needs mechanics work, and his mechanics were really bad for the first three quarters of this game. His footwork was bad. He did snap to life like late. He did get better, uh, and I do think he sometimes needs to kind of think his way back into doing it. But mechanics are deep ball things. They're deep ball and short ball, and they are. Um, he struggles when he's placing it. He's good when he's slinging it, like when he just is throw, like just relaxing and throwing. He's fine, but anytime he's trying to place it, he struggles. And deep ball is one of those times. He's trying to put it right into the bread basket, and he's not good at it. So you can get better. It takes practice, but it uh, it's not easy, and I, I, it might be something he's never really good at. It'd just be nice if he improved a little bit. All right, we got to keep moving here. Yeah, Tim Braun says, what do you make of all the mental mistake penalties, just growing pains of a young team or a coaching issue? I think just you. Okay, no los dos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
it's it, I mean, obviously it's it's definitely both. I, I still think that the coaching, just the complications of the playbook, I think yeah. they'll figure it out as time goes on. I think this will decrease. I think they'll get much better at this. They're the youngest roster in the NFL. Having penalties is not surprising. Though this is an experience thing mostly, I think. Patrick Detmer says, assuming this writer slash actors strike ends, writer strike did in fact it end. Did. Will will the Packers winning Sunday's game over the Saints, despite having fifty three percent of their annual salary cap unavailable to them, be made into a Hollywood movie a la The Replacements? <laughs> um, excuse me, it was fifty five point three percent. Jeez, and no, it won't because what? it's not that impressive. The, the, like the Saints <laughs> routinely have like. 60% of their salary cap not playing for them. <laughs> well, that's that's cuz they signed guys to 18 void years. It is. And so they're, they're they like the Saints are actually paying part of Bobby Bonilla's contract. <laughs> Derek Carr <laughs> they will be paying Derek Carr until he is in his age 40 season, until he's as old as Aaron Rodgers is now. So that's okay, what Come on, J, JR, I just made like a like a baseball lore joke. It was joke, a good baseball got, joke. I got man. nothing yeah. out of you. Come on, oh, man. Sorry. Sorry I failed you. I was thinking about who would play uh, um, Jordan Love in The Replacements, and I couldn't come up with anybody. <laughs> I'll keep thinking about I it. Ryan nothing, Ziegler, sorry. Who do, who do you trust to make it to the end? Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles or a 75-year-old lady at Wolski's? I mean, the Wolski's lady is obviously making it to the end. Like that's yeah. Also, that, that, that Wolski's lady is a grinder. Like, she's... she's yeah, she didn't walk into Wolski's at age 75 to not be there when it closed. Exactly. Like, we have selection bias here. You picked somebody who's clearly in this for the long haul, has nothing That's to true. lose, and is de- like wants that bumper sticker so that she can warn people that she's driving, you know? Um, Love it. Yeah. How great would it be if, like, your 75-year-old grandma showed up with an eye-closed Wolski's <laughs> bumper sticker? I mean, that would be that would be elite. I would – I oh, man, that'd be great. Scarf 21. Rashawn Gary oh, – oh. what, you got something? I was going to say – um, question. Yeah. Is blue hair a common phrase in Wisconsin? I think that's a national phrase. Certainly just as much as number one with a bullet. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just just making sure. Because like we referred to old people as blue hairs in Michigan. Just making sure that it's a oh, specifically it's a old. I haven't heard it in a while, but yeah, it's a thing. Scarf 21. Rashawn Gary has shown himself to be an absolute freak of nature, wreaking havoc in the Saints' backfield, not even a whole year since his ACL injury. What do you think are the odds that the Packers are able to sign him to a contract extension? It seems like he's making himself more valuable each week. I still think pretty good because they there's no mystery here. Rashawn Gary rules and he plays a valuable position at a high level and is still very young. Um, ACLs sometimes scare people, but they're not that unusual. And I suspect that they will give that a go. Now, he might not want to sign an extension. He might want to test free agency and get paid a lot and play somewhere else. Um, But I think the odds are pretty good that they're working on something with him and they try and get something done. So I'd say it's like 50-50 with Gary. But, uh, you know, every week that goes by is like more likely he's out the door at some point. Are there there anyone else who are pending... A pass rusher contract? I do not know. I have not looked into pending free agents or anything of the sort anytime recently. So, so that's your that's your answer. So, uh, if there are pending that's pass rusher yeah. pass rusher resets, then they're going to sign him very quickly. Did the Bosa just hold out and make a lot of money or something? Bosa like just that? Bosa just signed a lot. T.J. Watt is like year two of a four year or something like that. So, I I don't think that there's any true market resets out there so maybe they do slow play it maybe 
Hey, time seven. The penalties and inaccurate passing were tough in the first 45 minutes. However, should we be optimistic about scoring two touchdowns on the Saints D by any means? Yeah. Yes, yes. absolutely. <laughs> it's not easy. Nobody does it. Nobody's done it in a year. Like getting, uh, getting 18 points on them is an accomplishment. And I think they could have had more had they just gotten their stuff together a little bit better. So not a great game by any stretch, but like it's not outside of the normal what the Saints allow. And it was enough to get the job done. So, yes, totally good. How many red zone trips did they have before they scored? Was it five? I think it was five. That's incredible. That's almost impossible to not get points out of five red zone trips. <laughs> wow. They it's almost like Aaron Rodgers has done that twice in the last two years. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, they still they still should have won this game going away. <clears throat> Jeremy Moen, can we just take a moment to appreciate John Runyon Jr., elder statesman John Runyon yeah. Jr., by the way, for being such a solid player who never gets talked about being the veteran presence we needed Sunday and being our second favorite JR. Shouts to you, Jeremy Moe. <laughs> sub question, hunt, sub question. Again, this is a question about subs. Hunt for Red October or down Periscope? <laughs> like a literal Dude, sub question. Different aesthetics. That's right. Also down uh, Periscope. We, we had the Melios. Uh, yeah, for me, it's Red October. I'm a drama guy. Red but, October uh, also for me. Yeah, we down had the Melios. What was the question last week? Melios or Jimmy Johns? Potbelly, yes. Pot oh, belly. God, I love Potbelly. Yeah, JRJ was good. I also, we, we should have mentioned Rashid Walker earlier, who... Um, stud. Stud, absolute stud. Rashid, no, no. Rashid Walker, stud, pass blocker, garbage run block. That's fine. He was still <laughs> Who cares? Good. Yeah. They should never run the ball with A.J. Dillon. They should not. Should not be an issue. I'm not talking about A.J. I'm talking about the run game at all. I know. All. I hear you, but I'm saying at all until they have an actual but running he hasn't back. But he hasn't allowed a pressure yet, so... Um, he uh, looks like they might have something there. Um, Which is good because their entire offensive line is broken. Hurt. Yeah. Shoutouts to PFF Brad, who is usually just a cap guy for Pro Football Focus. He's a Bears fan. And he tweeted about Rashid Walker allowing zero pressures. And it was just like, God damn it, what's it like to to have draft and develop players? <laughs> uh, poor Bears fans, man. That draft class is really something. It's it's really special. It is. And they haven't even gotten Christian Watson on the field yet, and it's still paying dividends left and right. Christian Watson and Igbari might not be it. Christian Watson has played, what, like 39% of the offensive snaps since he was drafted? Yep. Hamstring man. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's yep. starting to become an issue for sure. If it's, well, not starting, it's an issue. It's an issue. Aaron Savage, do we think so many starters miss Sunday's game just to give them extra rest since there's now the short week before the Thursday divisional game? Losing to the Saints wouldn't have been an ideal, but I have to think they'd happily trade that to be at full strength against the presumptive division favorites. I do think there is some wisdom to that. Yeah, and I think it's true because it sounded like Aaron Jones and Christian Watson could maybe have played if it had been a more desperate situation, like at the end of the year playoff situation, and did not. Aaron Jones, I believe, even said he thought he was going to play to somebody. So um, I think there's at least a little bit of truth to that, but who knows how wide-ranging it was. Like, Jerry Alexander, no idea if he would have played or not, and the offensive lineman, who knows. Bakhtiari's day-to-day forever from here on out. Old man on a bike in Sherlington. I'm an old man on a bike, so I understand what it's like to misjudge my physical abilities. Indeed, this happens with some regularity on the pickleball court when my mind thinks I still have the quickness to get into position and return a dink shot into the kitchen, but the body is no longer willing. 
I've thoroughly enjoyed watching Love this season, but I have concern he may be experiencing a similar phenomenon when he takes off scrambling and refuses to slide. Love may be a superior athlete, but he is eventually going to come out of the short end of a collision with a 250-pound linebacker. Should we be concerned that the coaches have not gotten through with this message to slide, or is this a self-correcting lesson where he needs to get blown up before learning how to get down? Sub-question, anyone else a pickler? <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to take this one. He actually did slide this week. So At least last once, week, yeah. He, yeah, so last week he did not slide, and he decided to cut a run back inside instead of stepping out of bounds. He got an extra three yards, but he got absolutely lit up. This week he slid. So I feel that it's, as with everyone else, there is a young uh, exuberance that will be shaken out of him as it goes. I do think that the coaches got to him correctly. Um, also, pickleball huge in Colorado Springs huge everywhere Matt I, I know it's huge every, I, but I it, it was I know it started in the Midwest and like became a national phenomenon uh right by my house like legitimately a mile and a half away was one of those like indoor trampoline parks that did not survive the COVID shutdowns that is now a indoor pickleball emporium oh yeah a lot of <laughs> and those. so it's all yeah it's all indoor pickleball um, and my wife may or may not be a member. <laughs> yeah, I play. I'm good. So yeah, I'm on board. <laughs> there you go. I'm good. Uh, I also am solid. I played tennis in high school. Yeah, I, <laughs> however, have only played slightly against like my son, for example. So I don't know if I can quite say I'm good. We, I, I, I first played pickleball several years ago, long before it got big. And enjoy it quite quite a bit, but uh, didn't didn't see it coming that it would be take over. I favorite Jr. I played the pickleball. Jr. is a pickleball hipster. <laughs> I played. I played. I played in gym class right? in high school. We had it in gym class in high school. Oh, that's that's sweet. Yeah. I, okay. I, once. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say once upon a time I was an elite whirly ball player. It did not translate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good for campgrounds and you know old school playgrounds. I my favorite pickleball story happened last year when this woman showed up to a pickleball court in Pennsylvania and she just like would show up and I think her the person she was playing with left and so she just kind of joined a, a group of three dudes and kind of just teamed up with one of them and, and they played doubles and she was very good and the three dudes were TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith and Mika Fitzpatrick and uh <laughs> You could Google this story. Like it, it definitely made the rounds. We wrote about it at JS online and everything. And yeah, she, apparently she, uh, she kind of took them to school. She had no idea who they were. You know, they told her at some point and she was like, uh, okay, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, oh my God. <laughs> Quote TJ Watt whooped in pickleball by local mom who had no idea who he was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this this lady Whoops. took a photo of him it's it's such a great photo it's this you know re relatively petite looking woman because she's standing next to three nfl football players <laughs> and she's like oh that was, that was a nice little afternoon <laughs> so good oh so funny. oh my god this All woman right. is uh, a full 18 inches shorter than any other person in oh, the yeah. picture but you know she's got pickleball games oh yeah if you're going out of the courts just like looking for somebody to for pickup like pickleball is important to that woman uh, all right, Flaley Joel Osment, after taking out Jenkins and not pulling his considerable mass, which Packers player would Dylan have to crunch next to make his presence a net positive? <laughs> Can this be objectively quantified using EPA, for example? The average of Jenkins' career EPA equals er, minus Newman's 2023 EPA <laughs> plus Dylan's <laughs> equals Jonathan Owens? No, it's, 
I mean, I think that is the math. So um, yeah, yeah, and um, I think the obvious answer is that AJ Dillon could fall on himself. Uh, that, that was yeah. wow. <laughs> One quad on top of another. There's I've heard of fall on his sword, but fall on himself. <laughs> that would it's just it. uh, like what do we think is? Can we just talk about him? What sure. is going on here? Because I realize he's never been a superstar. And I know that we keep thinking back to that Titans game in the snow, which was a little bit different setting, like in terms of weather quality. So maybe that just was unlocked something for him. But like what happened to him? He was not unplayable before. Yes, he was. AJ Dillon has always been this person. He was better as a rookie, um, but he has a couple of problems that work against him in concert. One of which is, most big backs aren't good. Most there are exceptions. There's Jerome Bettis. There's, there's Derek Marshall Henry. Lynch. But most big backs are actually just big targets. You need to have a very specific type of big back who gets very low and is able to uh, actually do like quick stutter steps in the hole and hit half of guys instead of whole guys to be any good at all. Uh, he out of college was diagnosed as running very upright, which is very bad if you're a big back. And while he was an outstanding athlete, his Raz. Uh, is a bit of a fool's gold Raz. Like, it's mostly his size and not his actual athleticism. Um, the other thing is those guys take punishment fast. Um, if you are, like, a smaller back, you will often end up getting out of bounds and getting down before you actually take the big pounding. When you're the big guy, you're usually running stupider runs where you get hit with 300 pounders a lot more and it wears you down a lot faster and AJ has been subject to all of that stuff and was never really that good coming out of college he, he just wasn't it was misdiagnosis across the board those guys don't last long they just don't like I know he's young but it's, it's, it's a lot of punishment on on that he's a little Ron Daney where <laughs> in college he was able to just outsize people Ron and, and, and oh. outrun people but when you get to the NFL and Linebackers go from being, you know, 220-pound guys in the ACC to 260-pound guys that are faster than you are. Things get a lot harder, and that's what happened to him. So I've heard um, pretty good comparison, I think, is Trent Richardson. Fine. Totally fine comparison. Yep. Um, except Trent Richardson's 5'9"? He was not a big so guy. He was a spark plug so he, guy. But he was also like Trent Richardson was ever every bit of two thirty, so he ran like a power back. Yeah. But Dylan being Trent Richardson's vision, but a bigger target. Like it's like was it was it David Montgomery who had that like legs of Saquon Barkley? Yes, that was David Montgomery. Okay, so AJ Dylan, AJ Dylan is that graphic, but like everything bad about big backs. <laughs> He like like a uh, running style of Adrian Peterson with the vision of Trent <laughs> Richardson. They were tra- they were chasing Derrick Henry with him, and it just th- that guy's a unicorn. That's a it's like chasing Debo. Don't do it. All right, Brian Polakowski, last Patreon question: Would Jr. rather see a true reporting as eligible lineman catching a tutty or Rowdy Telez pitching a strikeout? For the people who do not follow baseball, the Brewers' very substantive first baseman through through on the mound. Uh, For the final three outs of a game Friday against the Marlins, it clinched a playoff berth. He is the first player in Major League Baseball history to get the final outs and not be a full-time pitcher uh, for a team that qualified for the postseason in that game. So very weird. The Brewers were up 16-1 to at the time. I enjoyed it very, very immensely. It was fantastic. Probably the highlight of my week. I still would go with the 
uh, lineman touchdown only because there's a greater likelihood that that is a meaningful moment in that game. You yep. know, when you're if you're a position player pitching, it either means you're way, way ahead or way, way down. It's fun, but it isn't meaningful to the game. Whereas, you know, why do we remember Dan Connolly running that kickback? It wasn't because he was just a fat guy. It's because that was a meaningful moment in the game. Those, those things can be really, really important. I love that. I love that about it. Fat guys contributing on that level to a, to a win is very fun. For okay, me. but also Rowdy Telez now has a career ERA of zero. That's correct. It's great. Yeah, it's he, cool. And Rowdy was a, a good character about it. Could have a great interview afterwards, too. But I agree with yeah. JR. Like the, the fat guy touchdown is usually a huge play, whereas Rowdy was just a fun curiosity. Right, but Indeed. Rowdy being a fun curiosity and a, a rotund first baseman who hits dingers, how does that not further endear him into the Brewers fandom that oh, it does. previously it does. It does. that previously worshipped Prince Fielder? Like, I feel like this should vault him into cult status. Well, or, let's uh, be clear: folklore. he is he is largely beloved. Emphasis on largely as always, but um, <laughs> he's also like he's not a he's not Prince Fielder uh, at like, all. Yeah, can't hit. <laughs> I mean, he's he's having a really bad year. He's he's got some power and he has shown it. And he's been very valuable to them, and I don't want to disparage that. But but like he is having a terrible year, yep. so uh, that is why he's not quite as endearing. Uh, yeah, however, that's why <laughs> Rowdy Telez Rowdy Telez hitting is Jordan Love at quarterback. No, mm, Jordan Love Jordan Love is a one ninety nine hitter who hits dingers. Yeah, well, Rowdy, you're not... using that beam. Yeah. So no. Um <laughs> Rowdy has one dinger since the month of May. Rowdy is not okay, that's hitting fair. dingers. That's, that's okay. I, I should I mean rephrase. he's been hurt, so like what, what yeah, like healthy Rowdy Telez is like what what you expect out of him, right? Like he's not hitting for contact. He's supposed to be hitting for power when he's healthy. I'd rather go with yes. a more traditional three true three true outcomes guy like Adam Dunn or something like yes, that. Yes, yeah. I was gonna say like Rowdy isn't even that his hit tool isn't even that bad. It's just that yeah, he's not agreed. hitting the ball hard enough typically so and um, i'm just i'm trying to stay within the, the football Wisconsin, i the appreciate Wisconsin your, ethos. Your, your baseball attempt is, is laudable but there are there are better guys as, as a cop there that's all <laughs> love rowdy always will yep. um i think he's played his best game his best games with the brewers are behind him agreed, but uh, agreed love him crow pack crow we'll move into twitter questions there's only a couple of these why is aj dylan not running north south like algier he looks bad but why is he given toss plays and asked to run outside zone also why are there zero des- designed runs and run options for love we had to wait until fourth down for a zone read two yard touchdown so they do need uh, to burn that toss play. That toss play sucks. And uh, yeah. I okay, I lit I think both parts of this question can be answered with the same answer. And it's LaFleur getting too cute. Uh, like no I disagree like, on no, the, the quarterback thing. Nobody nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Nobody expects the toss play to your your running back who has no vision. And Love being the franchise quarterback moving forward, they're not going to read option him often. Like, because Rogers had one random ass read option at one point. I think it was it was on third and one, right? Yeah, and he got blown up on it, right? But, but he got the first down. He did. <laughs> I just don't think people like Love is a, a good, not great runner, and you know he can be a small part of the running game. But this is not. <laughs> it's not Justin Fields out there. Like he's not that fast. He's about as athletic as Aaron Rodgers was as a young man. Like they're they're very similar in terms of speed and agility and things like that. So like yeah, and you you don't want to get that guy hit. So you use it sparingly when it's important. That's fine. Love love to me is very much the guy who will punish you for running man, 
but not necessarily the guy who will win the game with his yeah. feet. And that toss play, I also think there's some element of we just plug in a running back and expect them to be able to do everything, and uh, that's not how this works. So I, I do think that that is also a thing that happens with them. Uh, Brian says, as Green Bay was getting pummeled through three quarters, I started angry eating Cheetos. I ended up eating them all. Does this mean I have to do this every week now so that they'll keep winning? Yes, absolutely, 100%. I went to a party uh, for the Badgers-Purdue game here um, at a family's house that has one of each in in the family. And um, I I wore my, my bibs to that game, my... Uh, my white and red striped bibs to to a grown up football party because I just <laughs> I felt like they needed the help and the Badgers looked really good and so now I'm also committed to wearing them all the time so I sympathize. I uh, I was wearing a Colorado Vibes hat, nice. Um, and I turned it backwards in the second half, so now I have to wear a backwards Colorado Vibes yeah. hat forever. Yep, and I think we could probably call it there because the rest of the Twitter questions are about penalties, and we've we've talked about the penalties enough. I think you guys have Very gotten good. your penalty answers, so I think we're good. I think we're done. All right, man. Yeah, that sounds great. Yay! Uh, so short week this week, Jr. Anything to plug? Anything going on? Not at this time. We'll be moving forward toward uh, Brewers postseason that Woo. kicks off on Tuesday, so we'll have lots of content at jsonline.com. Looking at the Brewers, obviously the Packers. I don't think my thing posted where I did. Uh, collect the greatest fourth quarter comebacks in Packers history. Uh, there are there is only one that was better, as we mentioned at the outset. It's the my knee game, uh, the the second half resurrection of Aaron Rodgers against the Chicago Bears at Lambeau Field in the season opener. Uh, there is an end on what happened moment in, in that the <laughs> Packers season went backwards. The Bears won the division, but let's not talk about that. Yeah. Um, the Kitcher Taylor game is mentioned. There are a few games, but like you'll be, I was amazed at just, there aren't even that many games where the Packers overcame a 14 point deficit in the fourth quarter. You can count like you certainly can count on two hands, 14 or more points in the fourth quarter that the Packers have come back from. So it did, it did illustrate for me how rare that was. It really is not a novelty. It really is otherworldly special. What they were able to do in the fourth quarter against the saints. Indeed it was Matt, you hot taken or not? Yeah, so I'm I'm definitely doing a hottest take of the week this week. I have yet to decide if I'm going to stick with my Friday upload schedule because that means I have to do one in completion on a Friday morning after the Thursday game. <laughs> Good luck. But there 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 will be one this week, whether or not I start it. Um, I want to give a shout out to this year's Mountain Dew Voodoo flavor. <laughs> okay. Um, every every year for the last several years, Mountain Dew has released like a Halloween flavor. It's called Voodoo. It's a mystery flavor every year. This year it tastes like cherry airheads and it makes a phenomenal whiskey mixer for anything in the wild turkey realm. Okay. That is very Uh, random and weird, but all right. The the wild turkey distillery. Okay. Jack Daniels is known for tasting like bananas. Jack Daniels has a banana note. It's universal amongst whiskey jerks. All right. All right. Um, Buffalo Trace is known for being very sweet and very easy to sip. Yep. Wild Turkey is known for this like medicinal cherry flavor. This year's Mountain Dew Voodoo goes amazingly with Wild Turkey products. Do yourself a favor, mix them together. Okay. All right. 
Sounds good. If you're listening to this, it, po- it is posting on Wednesday morning. The mini pod will be up in a few hours because the game is tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> it's already been recorded, and, and that'll be there for you, just waiting for you. Uh, if you didn't listen to the mini pod last week, if you're not a patron, um, there is the normal one previewing the game, which went pretty well, I must admit to myself. Uh, there was also one on the Bears last week, too, though, on the Bears' horrible Tuesday that they had um, where rumors spread about their defensive coordinator and Justin Fields blamed the coaches and um oh, I highly recommend listening to it I think it was really good um I didn't even include their lawn equipment getting stolen because that happened the day after but that also did happen the Bears lawn equipment got stolen from Soldier Field which is amazing <laughs> um, I just love did you did you hear the phenomenal pun about that no Oh, the reason they don't care about their lawn equipment being stolen is because they've given up on fields. Uh, uh. Oh, yeah. Very good. I love how fields took the opportunity as somebody was as as FBI agents were raiding the defensive coordinator's house. He's just (laughs) just like, it's the coaching. (laughs) I just love the timing. Oh, my gosh. It was so heartening. Uh, Chicago sports media was something that day, man. It it, It was. Did you guys listen to the the presser? It was pure, like, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. Like, it's, it slipped, slipped out. out. They're like, why are you so robotic? And he's like, I don't know. Maybe it's the coaching. <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> wait, wait. Not that. Something else. <laughs> anyway, um, so check good. all that out. Um, we'll, we have the mini buy coming up because, you know, Sunday games one of all the Packers. But we'll be back next week to uh, wrap up whatever happens on Thursday and preview whatever the next game is. I actually haven't looked ahead to what the next game is. The Raiders. The Raiders. Oh, Devontae's back. Well, that'll be fun. Okay, so, yep, we'll be back next week. Uh, check it out. Check us out then. Enjoy the game. Yeah.